Hello again, witches, seekers, and friends, and welcome to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where we do a little ranting, raving, and wand waving. I'm your host, Paige, and together we're going to explore magic and spirituality, social justice, the psychic realm, and most importantly, magic numbers. Hey friends, thank you for joining me on this chilly fall Friday the 13th. Today I'm talking about numerology and working with numbers even if you have, I don't know, a math-related learning disability, <laughs> like dyscalculia, which I have. Even with my issues, numerology is both shockingly simple, very accurate. <laughs> so I'm also going to talk about some other uses for numbers in your magical practice outside of the art of numerology. This is going to be a whole numbers-themed episode. Today is Friday the 13th, a day widely regarded in North America to be incredibly unlucky. It's commonly associated with black cats and stepping on sidewalk cracks and tons of emergency room visits for people's like very unfortunate mothers. <laughs> and even if you're not superstitious, the number 13 no doubt brings up a little bit of that, oh, <laughs> a little bit of that chill in the air. Uh, and you might even subconsciously avoid it. Next time you stay at an older hotel or are looking for your gate at the airport, maybe even walking down a street and looking at house numbers, check to see if there's even a 13 anywhere there to be afraid of. Because a lot of times, and especially in older buildings, 13 was suspiciously absent. There's not a lot of lit literature that tells us exactly why the 13th in particular is unlucky. And indeed, other days are considered to be unlucky in other cultures. In Italy, it's actually Friday the 17th that is unlucky. So it's close, right? But I think everyone can agree that Friday the 13th, it's just got its own special kind of energy now, right? Like it's, a, it's got its own like mythology. A lot of witches like me, some of us, I will say, are total cheese balls, but we see this as the day to be, you know, extra spooky, have a little bit of fun with it, uh, and even use the kind of global focus on luck to do some luck magic. That is a great way to spend Friday the 13th. Take it back for witches. In Hinduism, 13 is known as a karmic debt number. And if it shows up in someone's personal numerology, it means that they're carrying something from a past life or lives into this one. This is simply a debt one has to pay to the universe. Uh, and you will no matter what. Maybe not now, maybe next time, but you will. The debt that you can rack up for number 13 is also like the best stuff, you know, like overindulgence and focusing on pleasure and a lack of self-control and laziness or a tendency to avoid hard work. So for those of you born on a 13th, just like today, you may be carrying this debt already. When we get into personal numerology later in the episode and we calculate our big three numbers, watch out for the numbers 13 and 4 in your equations and your answers, actually, as these can also indicate this karmic debt. Your biggest lesson in this life is to be productive and creative, you know, make shit happen. So replace some of your least favorite time-wasting activities with something that helps you reach even, you know, a small personal goal. Luckily, 13 is one of only four karmic debt numbers in the Hindu system, the others being 14, and five, 16 and seven, and 19 and one. The reason for that is in almost all numerology, to calculate a double digit number, you add the digits together. So one plus four equals five. So 14 and five are the numbers that go together there. Four and 13 go together because of the way they add up. Now seven, or 16, which appears in my personal numerology kind of a lot, means that I have a karmic debt number of 16. And listen to this disturbingly accurate list of issues. Like, even though you guys don't like know me personally, <laughs> listen, you may spend an excessive amount of time alone, 
you could find it difficult to develop meaningful relationships. People perceive you to be unapproachable. Although I will say that one is not true. Although no one's ever told me that anyways. Uh, I may come across as self-absorbed. That one is fortunately true. Uh, and connecting emotionally to others can be difficult. Wow. Way to call me out, numbers. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, numerology has really only deepened my belief that numbers are my sworn enemy, to be honest. They just, like, called my ass out the whole way down. <laughs> just the whole time. Most of the, the numerology that we use these days originates in ancient Greece. Of course it does. So much. You know, ancient Greece really, uh, really gave a lot to the modern witchcraft movement. The modern, you know, mystical and occult movements in general, I think. So... Most of this numerology that we use these days originates in ancient Greece with Pythagoras, the math whiz. Um, but associated systems were used in many other places and spiritual traditions all around the world. Different numbers, different groups. They had their own meaning. The Greeks just happened to be really good at writing everything down. <laughs> so you no doubt learned the Pythagorean theorem in elementary school math class specifically geometry. God, I hope. Like, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but the, the theorem is A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Now, I can't tell you what it is that you're going to find with that equation, except the measurement of the side of a triangle known as a hypotenuse, which is like one of my favorite words. I always called it a hypopenuse because I just, I just couldn't say it properly. And I, I never knew what I was going for, like hip hop hypotenuse or like hippopotamus hypotenuse i don't know <laughs> math is hard okay uh <laughs> but of course in ancient greece being a, a mathematical scholar meant pythagoras was also a philosopher you know he was an astronomer and uh astrologer and religious teacher because that's so fun right these days we often see a mind that is skilled in math or science as you know, being in opposition to a spiritual mind. And it's just so not true. And I, I love when that becomes obvious in, in ways like this. I love seeing that message. So Pythagoras believed that every number has its own spiritual vibration or energy, and that numbers were the language of the universe. You know, if you can learn to study numbers, you can communicate directly with the whole mystical energy of the universe. Likewise, everyone has personal numbers that are associated with things like their their soul, you know, their their life path and also their past life paths, uh, personalities, all sorts of stuff like that. But numerology, uh, it's also a divinatory tool, right? It can you can use it to study any date or um, week or, or month or time in the past or future. You can calculate your personal numbers to let you predict the kind of year that you'll be having. It's so interesting. And um, like I said, it's shockingly easy, even for someone like me who is not really into math. So whether or not you are a big math fan, I'm hoping that today's episode will encourage you to look into numerology and, you know, calculate a few of your numbers and see what you can find out. So we're going to focus on your three big personal numbers and the process of calculating them. It's so great. And once you have that down, predictive numerology is so easy because it's, it's the same process every time. It's so great. Now, we will be calculating potentially long strings of numbers, depending on what we end up with. So you may want to, you know, hit some pause, <laughs> hit the pause button and grab some paper, a pen and a calculator. If you go to my website, thefatfeministwitch.com, you'll see I uploaded a PDF that you guys can print out and you can record your personal magic numbers uh, and the calculations in a really easy to read and use way. And on the on the back of the sheet, it has, you know, very quick little interpretations for each of the numbers so you can get started. Since it's our first time calculating our numerological numbers, uh, we're going to start with the, the most simple, the, the quickest, and that is your birthday number. So just like your astrological sun sign, this number gives you like some quick insight into your overall nature. You know, it's your general catch-all type numerological sign. 
all you need to calculate it is the day of the month that you were born. So if you were born between the 1st and the 9th, that is your birthday number. Otherwise, you'll have to do a little bit of addition. For example, my birthday is on the 25th next month, but it's 25. So to get my number, I add the digits together. 2 plus 5 equals 7. A 7 birth date number can indicate someone highly spiritual and psychic, interested in the occult, a little odd or misunderstood, and someone who dreams of traveling to far off lands. Isn't that super fun? <laughs> I love that. Uh, if your birthday is today, uh, super fun if your birthday is Friday the 13th, that's fun. Uh, or the 13th of any other month on any day, really. Your birthday number is four, which can indicate that you are a true original. You are interested in making changes in the world and in your life. Uh, and you might be a little bit restless, which could be frustrating, but also, you know, it gives you a lot of energy to make things happen. The next number to calculate is your life path number. This is a, a big one. This is the one most people hear about when they first hear about numerology. So this number shows your life's purpose and it offers you direction in achieving that purpose. This is calculated using your entire birth date in numbers. So the day, the month, and the year. If you've got a piece of paper and you're following along, just write those numbers out in a line. So for me, my birthday is, um, 25, <laughs> the 25th of December, 1986. So that's 25, 12, and 1986. Yes, my birthday is on Christmas. And yes, it's also coming up. Isn't that fun? <laughs> uh, so next we add each of these digits together. So 2 plus 5 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 9 plus 8 plus 6. This, I am hoping, according to my calculations, equals 34. If your number is a single digit, that's, you know, you're good. You've got it. If it's a double digit like mine, you got to add those digits together as well and keep doing that until you have a single one. So three plus four is seven again. So I've got, oh, I've got another seven here. Uh, seven is aligned with spirituality and intuition in this particular area of numerology. And it can also indicate a kind of solitary life path which is like hitting me right in the feels, but it is the truth. Now, if you were born on November 13th in 1986, same year, your life path number is three. And you have a life of travel and spirituality and sharing with or inspiring your community. Awesome. <laughs> a life path number three just sounds, it sounds like a very adventurous, um, a very adventurous life. It sounds very cool. So next is your destiny number. And your destiny number shows you how to use your natural gifts and talents to achieve your goals. So this one often speaks to your career or your work, but it really depends what your, you know, your life goals are. This number, uh, you don't use your birthday for this. This is actually calculated using the letters in your name, which you then convert to numbers. And I know that could sound confusing, don't worry. <laughs> uh, Pythagoras came up with a chart uh, that associates each letter with a digit from one to nine. If you do get that PDF I made it on my website, I put the chart right down there at the very bottom of the page, right underneath where you can write out your whole name so you can convert the letters very easily there. So write out your whole name. The one on your birth certificate is best, but you know, whatever your most long-standing or official name is can also be used. So you use that chart. Um, put As you go through, I like to use lined paper or graph paper so I can keep all of my digits separate. Um, otherwise, I might I might forget one. My, my name is kind of long, so it's Paige Irene Vanderbeck. It gets a little bit lengthy. So I like to use charter graph paper, but Underneath each letter of your name, put in its associated number and add those digits together. I got 102, which gets reduced to three because one plus two is three. So my talents are intuition, creativity, communication, and sharing knowledge with others. And you know what? You're goddamn right they are. <laughs> 
numerology like totally nailed me on that one. <laughs> Let's try a, a much shorter random name so you guys can see what this looks like. So Jane Doe, uh, J-A-N-E-D-O-E. J is number one. A is number one. N is number five. E is number five. D is number four. O is number six. And E is five. When you add this up, it adds up to 27, which then adds up to nine. That means that Jane's talents are her social skills, her compassion, her spirituality, and versatility. She's got a nice big open mind, that Jane. It sounds lovely. These are really short interpretations, and you can find much more extensive ones, like all over the internet, just all over, um, or in books. I used three books. Well, it's actually, it's, it's two books and a handbook to do a lot of the research for this episode, and I found them, like, really helpful. The first is In Focus Numerology by Sasha Fenton, which I suggest starting with if you're brand new to numerology, um, and if you're brand new to any, you know, divination or anything like that. It's very, very easy to follow and very easy to understand. Like you go through chapter by chapter, you calculate your number, you find out what it means, and then you can move on to the next one. It's so simple. Um, and it's got a lot more than just these three numbers in it. The other book I read was The Ultimate Guide to Numerology, and I also grabbed its matching handbook, and these are by Tanya Gabrielle. And these were a little confusing when I first started. I didn't know anything, right? And she really just jumps right in, even in, even in the guide, not just the handbook, but she really jumps in. And there wasn't much about, you know, the history of numerology or anything. And you guys know I'm a nerd for that stuff. But I really love, I love her writing, and I love her interpretations of the numbers and the examples that she shares. It, the Ultimate Guide to Numerology and the Handbook, they were both great. They were really great. They were just not what I would pick first. I highly recommend checking them out, though. So even just calculating these three numbers, these basic three, just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> not only did it sound pretty accurate as I was reading it, but it also lined up with, you know, other information that I've divined using astrology or tarot about things like my life's purpose and my, my talents. So just like with astrology, um, you know, you don't just have a sun sign, you have a whole birth chart, and then you can also use astrology to do a lot of things that have nothing to do with people. Numerology is the same. There are a ton of personal numbers to explain other facets of who you are, where you're going. And the books that I mentioned, they all take, they both take you through different numbers than the ones I mentioned here. Um, and they help you calculate all of them. But instead, let's look at predictive numerology because it is so, so simple. You use basically the same methods to predict the overall vibe of a particular day, a year, a month, or even in an hour. So you can divine general messages, you know, just for the collective, for everybody, and then ones that are specific to you. So, you know, as I've been researching this, I've started every morning calculating my personal prediction for the day when I write in my journal or do morning tarot reading, right? So to do that, you, you add up the digits of the day. Of the day. Today, it would be one plus three, it's the 13th, which adds up to four. And then add that number to your life path number. So four is the kind of general vibe. So the vibe is productive and stable and about dealing with practical work. My life path number is seven, which adds up to two being my personal prediction for the day. This number tells me today's not the day to start something new, but to, you know, diligently work on stuff that I've already started. I did actually plan to do something like that. It, <laughs> it also tells me that I may need help carrying a workload. And in that case, I should feel safe asking for help. And it's a good day to be social. Maybe get a little flirty, get together with others, or maybe just one other <laughs> because the pandemic. Yeah, maybe just over Zoom even. <laughs> so you can definitely see how these numbers, you know, work off each other. So you can get that nice, clear message. 
To find out what a whole month has in store for you, just add your birth day to the current month and year, or whatever month and year you're calculating. For example, I was born on the 25th, uh, so we would go 25, 11 for November, and 2020. Ha, that actually adds up to 13. That's really funny. So, <laughs> Ooh, spooky. Um, reduced down this month is the energy of the number four. Uh, and very similar to above, according to Sasha Fenton, the themes for this month, this number four month, are material and legal matters, recycling, and sexuality. <laughs> and that sounds weird. But let me tell you, that's like so accurate. I am working on stabilizing my finances. Like I've got a little lot of little projects to do with that going on right now. Um, I recently found out that my building's recycling. It just ends up in the trash. Like it's not getting recycled. And it's just wigging me out that like I'm not recycling. <laughs> it's a bizarre thing that I'm having a lot of trouble with. And sex and sexuality is kind of like an over overarching theme I'm dealing with this whole year and this mind is just or this month it's been on my mind a lot so <laughs> weird. weird right um this is so cool and weird and then from there you can also predict the overall vibe of a year I loved this so to do this to get your year number add the numbers of your birthday and month to the current year so 25, 2, 5, plus 1, 2, plus 2, plus 2. Oh, because 0 is nothing, right? You don't have to add 0. I'm sorry. I got lost in my own notes. Great. <laughs> Let's do that again. 2, plus 5, plus 1, plus 2, plus 2, plus 2, equals 14, which comes down to 5, which is crazy. Listen. So I want to take a minute here and say that November 11th, 2020 was exactly five years since I uploaded the very first episode of the show. So the show and I are both in a number five year. <laughs> and number one is year when, you know, it's the beginning of everything. And the year I started the podcast, you know, I made drastic changes and I started a whole new life, you know. And it's so interesting to me that you can really see that go in that direction. Now, five is not all sunshine and rainbows because of course it isn't, it can't be. But we'll get there. Five is associated with the planet Mercury in the signs of Gemini and Virgo. That's really good for me because the overall vibes there are communication and connecting with others. Also, sexuality, what the fuck? Uh, change and new horizons super neat. Uh, in focus, astrology mentions travel, but it even like it specifies that it no doubt will only be local travel, like there might be some trouble getting farther away. There's this element of restlessness at work, uh, and possibly making some changes in the job, which is also true. I've been kind of switching up how I do things. I found this one to be super interesting because it is it is just absolutely dead on. Five is a year of challenges and possibly a little chaos, right? It's not necessarily a bad year. It's not a bad omen in, in any way. It's just I'm meeting a lot of challenges and so far I'm doing pretty good. So, you know, props to me. I'm going to knock on whatever, anything. Um, but like I said, I, I found this to be super accurate and really interesting because now that I know that this year is five, it's very easy. Next year is six, and it's going to go like that in nine year cycles. So I'm pretty excited about year six, uh, <laughs> starting on my birthday. So starting Christmas this year, year six is associated with abundance and beauty. Oh, it's a Venus ruled year, right? I'm so happy with this. Maybe that means that we'll all be able to go out without masks on, and I won't have chronic breakouts all over my face. I had to buy fancy face wash this year. <laughs> I just, apparently, I am going to be a mega hottie for all of 2021. I'm here for it. I really need it. This year, you know, I lived in my comfy clothes. I'm in comfy clothes right now. They're very expensive comfy clothes because they were bought to be nice clothes, but shit happens, right? Thank you, coronavirus. <laughs> Anyways, the actual practice of numerology either personal or predictive, 
is not the only way to use the magic of numbers in your witchcraft. You can you can do so many things. You can read numbers out in the world like omens. You can keep track of numbers you see all the time. Or if you see repeating digits like, you know, it's 11, 11 or 3.33 p.m., a number that pops up on every cash register you pay at, you know, it's 5.55 is your change. Uh, or even addresses and phone numbers. Repeating numbers like 1111 or 444 are often called angel numbers. And those who work with archangels often read these as signs from specific angels that they work with. As a kid, seeing a repeating number on the clock was, you know, it was good luck because you just happened to look at that one specific minute and catch it. So you'd make a wish. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I still do it all the time. And I've noticed that I notice these a lot more frequently now that I <laughs> now that I get excited about it every single time I see them. You know, if you get excited every time you see a double or triple digit on the clock, you're going to start looking at the right times. Your internal clock knows. This is where the endorphins are, baby. <laughs> this way to serotonin land. So <laughs> it's a silly day. You can use numbers and their associations in your spell work in a bunch of other ways. So the number of candles or herbs that are included in your spell, the number of crystals that you use to make a grid, the number of days or weeks that you'll repeat a ritual or a spell. You can also plan your rituals and spells in advance with some of that predictive numerology. There's a method of spell casting called knot magic that uses, you know, string and knots. And everything from the length of the cord, the number of knots, the amount of space between them, all of that can be used to, you know, divine certain things or to cast certain energies in accordance with their meanings in numerology or really any other system of working with numbers. Because I want to remind you that Pythagoras in Greece was not the first or last spiritual thinker to reflect on the magical meanings of numbers. So if you, you know, if you go through this and you find that the traditional association, associate, oh, that one was hard for me. If you find that his associations with numbers doesn't work for you, you know, look elsewhere. Uh, that's totally okay. As with all of these things, sometimes numbers mean something to you that it doesn't say in the book, and that is great. Uh, for example, the number eight in this kind of traditional system is often associated with Saturn, the planet where fun goes to die, right? But in China, it is super auspicious. And the number eight and 888 in particular are super lucky and they foretell sudden excellent fortune. So they definitely have a different vibe depending on where you're reading that number eight from. If a number pops up, you know, just pay a lot of attention to it and what's going on or how you feel when that happens. See if they have anything in common there. Astrology is also very very numbery, very mathematical. Um, but I will admit, <laughs> I love astrology, but I've never had to calculate any kind of chart by hand by myself. Uh, and the numbers and the angles and the degrees are very, very hard for me. This is actually the part in my like astrological study that where I've kind of stalled, it's just going to take me a little extra time. So I use an online chart calculator to make my chart for me. Um, I use websites to help me interpret it. So I can't really tell you anything about orbs and degrees in your birth chart. I'm so sorry. But what I can talk about is the 12 houses. I know from experience that anxiety, fear, and depression can keep you from manifesting your most magical life on the best of days. And which is, these days are not the best. That's why if you're struggling or feeling lost, I want you to consider reaching out to a professional licensed therapist through BetterHelp. Within 24 hours, they'll assess your needs and match you with a therapist that is specially trained to deal with everything from depression and anxiety to grief, conflicts at home, and even sexuality and gender across the spectrum. It's all online, so there's no awkward social distancing in the waiting room. You're in the comfort and safety of home. You can message your therapist anytime and schedule weekly audio or video chat sessions. The service is available worldwide. 
It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and they offer financial aid to those who need it. Lately, so many people have been reaching out that BetterHelp is actually recruiting more counselors in all 50 states right now. I want you to manifest the life of your dreams, starting today. As a listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash fatfeministwitch. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash fatfeministwitch. Be prepared for whatever comes your way in 2021 with the Wee Moon Datebook, Astrological Planner, and Moon Phase Calendar. This gorgeous planner features art and writing from women all over the world, and Wee Moon is dedicated to amplifying the voices and work of women of color, marginalized people, and those across the LGBTQ spectrum. The Desktop Datebook features astrological data in Pacific Standard Time, moon phases depicted for every day, notation of when the moon or sun changes sign, astrological predictions for every sun sign in the zodiac, a full ephemeris, and intro articles about Chinese and Western astrology, herbs, the eight witches' sabbats, eclipses, and retrogrades for the year, and more. To order your datebook in English or Spanish, or for more information about We Moon 2021 products, visit their website at wemoon.ws. And be sure to use the code FEMINIST to receive 15% off your entire order. That's wemoon.ws and coupon code FEMINIST. There's also a gorgeous condensed version for all of you wall calendar purists. The twelfth house in astrology is considered the unseen realm. It governs all things non-physical like dreams, secrets, intuitions, and shadows. In the twelfth house podcast, we're diving into the unseen aspects of some of our favorite topics, well-being, intuitive entrepreneurship, and leading with intuition. With a healthy dose of optimistic skepticism and well-meaning irreverence. Right now, you can find episodes about running an intuitive business with anti-capitalist values, knowing the difference between anxiety and intuition with an anxiety coach, using the Akashic Records in your work and beyond, how to build community around your brand if you're starting from scratch, and way more content that meets at the intersection of well-being, business, and magic. Intuition plays into everything we do, from how we choose a partner to how we run a business or how we vote. We're here to chat about leading, living, and LOLing with your intuition. Subscribe to the 12th House Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Within your your larger birth chart, you have, you know... When you look at your birth chart, calculated with the exact date, time, and location of your birth, you get a round chart that is divided into these 12 pizza slices, basically. So each of the slices on the pie are called a house, and your planets, which are also in signs, live in these pizza slice houses. (laughs) I am hungry. (laughs) I think it's dinner time soon. So away from pizza onto astrology. So we have these 12 houses, and these can provide a ton of context about the area in your life when some of those issues that come up with those planets and signs, where in your life they're going to be happening. So the first house, house number one, this is the house of the self. And this is where you find info about your appearance, your behaviors and character traits, and the first impression that you make on people. When you calculate your chart this way, you get something called the ascendant, which is the the beginning of your the very beginning of your birth chart, the starting point. And that is in the first house, right? First house starts from there. So your first house and your ascendant are often in the same sign. And your ascendant talks a lot about your appearance. So if you have your ascendant or your rising sign, you can find tons of really cool information on what that means about your appearance or like what your coolest, most glamorous physical traits are or, you know, body parts associated with your planet. It's really neat stuff. 
House number two is the house of value. And it deals with things like money and possessions, worth and value, you know, and the differences between those. So self-worth is also in this house. The third house is the house of sharing and is all about communication, generosity, and achievements. Planets and signs in the third house can also tell you about the relationship you have with siblings. So pay attention to emotional stuff that comes up in your third house, if you have anything in it. You might not have anything in You're not going to have something in every single house. <laughs> that and you're not going to have everything in one single house either. It's going to be spread out. So you might not need all these houses, but I'm going to go through them anyways. The fourth house is the house of home. So this is where you find things like ancestry, family, roots, and even your, your house, the physical structure of your house. It also deals with your feelings of comfort and safety and your relationship with your nurturing parent, your most nurturing parent, or even both your parents, if you have two very nice nurturing parents, uh, and your relationship with pets who you nurture, right? Ah, I love the fourth house. It's very cozy. Number five is the house of pleasure. This is a really fun house. Literally, here you find games and fun romance, um, like flirty romance, not like life and death romance, but flirtation. This can also show you information about your potential relationships with children. So if you're going to have a lot of children, not have any children, work with children, you might find that in the fifth house. The sixth house, deal, uh, the sixth house deals with health and wellness, vitality, and then all your daily routines. So you might also find information about your, your job. You know, not your big career, but your job, your skills and abilities, and even community service or volunteering. The seventh house is the house of balance. So this house shows partnerships of all kinds, marriages, business partners, contracts getting signed, and how you deal with diplomatic situations. Number eight is the house of transformation. Here you'll find info about cycles of life and death, uh, commitments, shared resources, debts, and karma. Sexuality also somehow fits in there. <laughs> I mean, if you shoehorn it in, I guess, uh, <laughs> but that is debated. If you, this house is associated with Scorpio, which does really deal with sexuality as well as the cycles of life and death. So take from that what you will. House nine is the house of philosophy and tells you about travel and culture, ethics, philosophies, and the ways that you expand your consciousness. Number 10, the 10th house is the house of enterprise. So this is your career and, you know, life projects house. Uh, and can tell you about your ambition and, and your motivation. It can also touch on your relationship with a parent or a authority figure. So if one of your parents was more of an authority figure than a nurturing parent, you might find information about that relationship in the 10th house. The 11th house is the house of blessings and friendship. So this is where you'll find info about your social connections, groups, um, your friends, and your feeling of belonging, you know, belonging in those groups and in the world. Finally, we have the 12th house is super duper mysterious. <laughs> so this is the house of the unseen and of sacrifice. And it, it deals with all sorts of things like secrets and taboo and some sexuality, depending on what you got going on in there and things that are misunderstood, possibly by others and by yourself. It's all the hidden stuff. So the houses just really expand the information that you get from your other things in the birth chart, the planets and the signs, and they provide more context that gets more and more accurate as you put all of them together. The part of my practice where I've always used numbers the most is tarot reading. Every tarot card has a number. So the minor arcana, uh, no, the major arcana, sorry. <laughs> I can't believe I screwed that up. The major arcana is numbered from 0 to 21. And the minor arcana features the numbers 1 through 10 in each suit. There are four suits. The numbers can provide just as much insight as any of the other symbols on the cards. So the magician is card number one, because it has to do with the self and also, you know, creation, that spark of creation. The lovers and the devil are very connected cards in the tarot. Even just looking at them, not knowing much about tarot cards, this is a theme that you can see. 
Interestingly, the lovers is card number six, and the devil is card number 15. One plus five. So, you know, it has this vibe of by conquering the energy of the devil, which is a little bit more challenging, you can reach that fulfilling energy of the lovers. Very cool. In the minor arcana, the numbers one to ten can tell you what the card is in reference to, give you a, a general topic. And every number appears four times. There are four suits. So the six of wands and the six of cups have a common theme, which is nostalgia and returning home to connect with others. Now, the wands is connected with projects and creativity, and the cups is connected with emotions. So this, you know, it's a very similar vibe, but it can happen or show up in different ways. You may be coming home because you are receiving an, you know, an achievement from work. Maybe you're coming home because it is a family reunion. Maybe you are coming home to follow your heart. They mean different things. Learning what each individual number means, you know, just on their own before you get to any other pieces of the card, just really helped me read them more intuitively and a little faster. I like the numerical meanings associated with tarot, probably because I'm just the most familiar with it. So a lot of times with this numerology, I found myself kind of going with the tarot meanings instead. Again, that's totally cool. Uh, this is a quick list of what the numbers mean. I found this in The Only Tarot Book You'll Ever Need by Sky Alexander, which I cannot recommend enough. It's like a $10 book. It's so cheap. It's small. But she goes through each of the numbers and what that number means within the tarot. So aces or one represents new beginnings with an element of being a gift from the universe. You know, it's this divine creation. Two is about unity and partnership uh, and balance. Three is the number of communication and self-expression, and it can indicate working with a team or a group. Fours are the foundation, so stability, home, and security. Fives represent shakeups and challenges. Uh, the energy of five is unstable, but it's also, you know, it's adventurous and it leads you someplace you really need to go. Sixes represent service, community, and, and compassion for others. It's a very connected number. Sevens, on the other hand, are about your inner life. They're about soul searching and even, you know, some solitude. It can deal with issues that you, you have to conquer on your own or let you know that you need some time to consult with yourself rather than other people. Eight is the number of leadership and authority, and the eights are often about exerting your power. Nines are the beginning of the end of a cycle. Nines represent ending in the, the tarot, and they, you know, they represent feelings of completion or satisfaction as you come to the end. And then 10 is the beginning, and it's also, you know, the end. It's it's the good and the bad, the better and the worse. It's the time of transition between starting the whole process over again. And when you're actually reading the cards, there's a lot of different ways to read the numbers. First is obviously individually, <laughs> but um, you have to look at the whole reading as well, right? You look at all the numbers in a reading and there might be patterns there. I mentioned last year a reading that I did where I pulled three different sixes for someone, and they were going to work in the field of community activism. That was such a cool reading. I've never, you know, I know that was so neat. <laughs> it, it just really lined up. And this year, that same individual got a reading. And I even used the same deck because I'm like, it went so well last year. And I nearly spit out my coffee. I was like, oh my God, what if they don't believe me? So, <laughs> so I pulled a card, uh, a six, 16, another six, and then 12. So, <laughs> so six just keeps coming up and they're definitely on the right track in life. Uh, and it's written all over the cards. I love that. It's like they're, they're just driving one way. You know, they've got a straight shot down route six or <laughs> six, six, six. <laughs> Either way, when I see multiples of the same number within a reading, I start to wonder if those individual situations might actually be tied together. The cards in each suit, numbered 1 to 10 or ace to 10, that also explores a journey. So 
The smaller numbers can indicate you're at the beginning of a journey, while the higher, larger numbers can indicate the opposite. So if you're looking at your reading and all the numbers are from the middle of the list, so you've got five, six, and seven everywhere. I read that as a situation that you are currently right in the middle of and that has no definite ending right now. The messages you're getting here are going to continue you down this path. You can also see if there's a progression anywhere. So if you get a six, a seven, and an eight, that could be the progression of one situation. Look at the number on your first card and the number on your last card and see if there's some sort of connection. It might be as simple as, you know, a one and a ten. You have instructions basically moving from ace to 10. So, <laughs> so if you have a new relationship you're asking about and you get uh, number one, the ace of cups right at the front, yay. And then at the end, you get the 10 of cups at the very end, yay. So to take that brand new ace of cups relationship to a 10 of cups lifetime commitment, these are the steps that you would take. It's just like astrology's houses. The card number provides just a little bit of deeper context to the other symbols that you're seeing on the cards and in the reading. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that I have a math and numbers related learning disability called dyscalculia, which is a terrible name. I mean, no one likes saying it. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> and often it's described as a sort of math or numbers dyslexia, but that's just, it's not entirely accurate. It can affect how you see and perceive numbers, though. It can also affect spatial awareness and your ability to judge distance. It can affect how you see and perceive size, shapes, symmetry, all of that. The ways that it affects people's perception is different all across the board. For example, many people with dyscalculia struggle to read music which is something I've, I've never had a problem with. I'm actually better at reading music than I am at playing <laughs> any instrument or singing along with the music, but I, I can read it. I can totally translate it, right? This is why a lot of those studies in those parenting books, they used to suggest that if your kids are struggling in math or you know, you want them to be stronger in math, you put them in music. And it's because the same part of the brain handles both things. So if you're stretching that muscle with music all of the time, theoretically, it would also be better equipped to handle numbers and math. I struggle extra hard when it comes to math, at adding up numbers with decimal points. And that means that money is really, it's the hardest thing for me to count. Very hard. It's been like that my whole life. It's brutal. And I've met other people with dyscalculia who are fantastic with money math, like specifically. And I feel like a lowly peasant, right? Like <laughs> they have all the same struggles as me, except for this one. <laughs> but theirs has so many more practical applications. When it comes to money numbers, though, a, a big challenge for a lot of people with dyscalculia, that's this is my problem, is that the actual value of those numbers in our brains is, is skewed, it's warped. It's hard for us to grasp what that number means, <laughs> like, especially because brain, like numbers are so made up, money especially is not real. It's so hard for me to think about. Um, <laughs> it's hard for us to grasp. So our brain works extra hard to try and explain it to us. We start, you know, trying to be like, it's like saying that everything tastes like chicken, right? We try, <laughs> we try to find other ways to represent numbers. So. That way we can, you know, if, if you get the right coping mechanism, I guess you can say, you'll be totally fine. Like my money issues are out the door as soon as I am in a grocery store. I can pick a budget. I can do enough mental math to make sure I stick to it, like in the cart and leave with so much food. Like I'm the best grocery shopper. For whatever reason, it's just totally easy for me to grasp. And I think it's just, I think of things differently, you know? Seven apples might weigh a fucking, I don't know, a kilogram or cost five dollars. I don't even know. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I feel like Lucille Booth from Arrested Development. What could one banana cost, Michael? Ten dollars? Yeah. Um, I, I actually just look at that bag of apples and I'm like, cool, I got seven apples. That's one for every day. I have no idea what I spent on apples, how much the apples cost. I just know that I got enough for the week. Um, <laughs> it's because the... An amount, an amount of money or a number, sometimes it doesn't feel like a number. It just feels like 
what I could get for that number, (laughs) what that number means I could have in my hand, how I could make it make sense. But for some, math dyslexia or numbers dyslexia is a pretty accurate term. Uh, For those people, it affects their ability to read numbers, so it transposes numbers into different places, it flips them upside down. Um, You know, they just don't, does not compute in their brain. They look at a number five and they can't figure out that it's five. It's just a, it's just an empty symbol. It's like trying to read Cyrillic if you're an English reader, right? It's a completely different alphabet. So for some, the actual shape, the look of numbers is the problem. You know, they can't even look at the numbers because that's where the trouble starts. Oddly enough, I like the shape of numbers themselves. Like just like letters. I I love letters. I'm such a weirdo. Um, so working with numbers for me is a matter of keeping them clearly separated and defined. They blur together for me. I miss digits. I forget, you know, one or two numbers at the end of every single credit card number or, you know, government number that I need. Always. And unless I write them down, and then it's perfectly fine because I'm going in the right sequence. So, <laughs> so I keep them separated and defined. That's why I like my graph paper and line paper. Uh, and I read through them slowly. I need to see all my steps. I need to go in an order or a sequence. I can't skip any steps or I get really confused. Counting a, you know, a spread out group of things is much harder for me than reading a number. But for some, it's the opposite. And some different symbolic representations of numbers may be really helpful in getting past that first difficult step. So back in ancient Greece, when Pythagoras was contemplating the spiritual nature of numbers, he wasn't really looking at the figures we are now. And I don't mean he was looking at like Roman numerals per se. I I also struggle with those. Don't worry. <laughs> Tarot decks that don't use Roman numerals are like they're for me. They're for me. So don't feel bad if you struggle. But you often use shapes to represent numbers. So for example, there are triangular numbers and square numbers. That means that if you were to represent a number with rocks or beads or something, the number will either be arranged in a square or a triangle. So if you have three beads or rocks, when you arrange them, you you make a triangle with them. If you have four beads, you make a square with them. Kind of simple, right? And those shapes, you know, they just kind of grow as the numbers grow. So nine also creates a a square. The Maya, the Mayan people before colonization, um, in their original language, they used dots and dashes to represent different numbers and amounts. And it reminds me a lot of Morse code, but they're not separated. So those long and short sounds are grouped together. That I actually thought looked really, really great. And it reminded me of something when I worked in retail, I couldn't, I couldn't count change. (laughs) I'd like to personally apologize to every single person that ever had to work after me and recount everything because I can't count change. I learned working at a grocery, uh, like a gas station that I could not count packs of cigarettes. I could count that thing five times and have five different answers all the time. If that was you, I'm so sorry. So couldn't count change. So I would just, I would just split it all up, right? I would group each into a dollar. So four quarters, and I just put them in a little stack. And then I'd be able to count the stacks instead of counting the coins while I was counting, you know, the number. I can't even explain it. But like, (laughs) even trying to explain it, like my chest feels tight. Um, But, you know, I used this symbolic representation to kind of just condense it. And I was just thinking about all of this, you know, symbols or pictures, what symbols or pictures might I use to represent numbers instead of the figures themselves or instead of, you know, money instead of stacks of quarters. And then I remember something very fun that I learned this year in the Magical Writing Grimoire by Lisa Marie Basile, which is making your own alphabet. Did you guys know you could just make up your own fucking alphabet? Like... (laughs) This is so simple and yet also like mind blowing. I tried, but the symbols, all my symbols that I drew just looked like letters in a weird shape. At a certain point, I'm pretty sure I was drawing like a cat shaped into letters font rather than an alphabet. (laughs) I wonder if I could do that digitally. That would be great. Um, (laughs) It's so weird. I like letters. And uh, so imagine 
instead of making a whole big alphabet. Imagine making a magical numbers alphabet that kind of cuts out that visual difficulty when it comes to numbers. So this is something you could use in your practice to represent one to nine. You know, you could pick symbols of a spiritual nature. It can be something that might pass as universal if you want to share it with other people, or it can even be super, super personal to you. You're the only one with the key who knows how to read it. In Lisa's book, she makes an alphabet that has a very obvious water element to all of it because she's just a very water person. And I just thought that was so, so cool and beautiful. I really hope you guys check that book out. I'm going to be reviewing it very soon. I loved it. Um, but if you're not, if you're not good at drawing something like this, there are some ready-made magical symbols that can be used this way. The first thing I thought of is the planetary symbols. As a former Sailor Moon super fan, I've always had the planetary symbols memorized, <laughs> but you might not. That's okay. You can find that on Wikipedia. Very simple. You could use the planetary symbols to represent a number. So you could use them related, you know, relative to its place in the solar system. So Mercury is number one, Venus is number two, Earth is number three. You could also use a common Wiccan association with numbers. So Mars is number one, Moon is number two, Mercury is three, Saturn is four, Pluto is five, Venus is six, Neptune is seven, Earth is eight, and Uranus is nine. You can use their symbols there. You can also follow their order in the astrological year and even use, you know, zodiac symbols. So Aries could be your number one, or if you want to get really, really in depth, if your first house is in Scorpio, that could be number one and you could progress from there. So <laughs> through your actual chart, oh, super personal. But if you're familiar enough with your chart that when you see Scorpio, you go, oh, that's my first house in my rising sign, then success. That works. Another neat idea would be to use the symbols of the moon phases. Number one could be a very skinny, just waking up waxing crescent after that new moon. And you know, the moon would grow and be full in the middle. So it five, four, six, something like that, and then weighing back down when you get towards nine. That could be really pretty. In this book, In Focus Numerology, Sasha Fenton includes full correspondences for numbers according to numerology in the destiny number section. So here she has Leo for number one, Cancer for number two, Aries or Scorpio for three, the Earth is number four, Gemini or Virgo for five, Taurus and Libra are number six. Pisces is number seven. Capricorn and Aquarius are number eight. And Sagittarius is number nine. So you could use the signs or their associated planets and use those symbols instead. With this one, if you are already using you know, planetary magic, this is great because the planets or signs associated with each number, they do that because they have energy in common. They, they work together. So I used all this information. I know it's a lot, but I used all this information and, you know, I, I sat down and I thought about it for a while and I decided to make a tiny little numbers alphabet, just one through nine. And I'll put a picture on Instagram or something, I, I promise. So number one doesn't change much. I mean, it's already the perfect shape. <laughs> oh. But I also wanted to represent that, you know, it's the beginning of something. It's that spark of intuition or, you know, the beginning of the universe with the Big Bang. So to my number one, I added a small X in the middle to make it look like, you know, it's blowing up. It's starting. Number two, to me, the way I draw it anyway, it reminds me of a nice big wave, like the, the kind of wave people surf on and they, you know, surf underneath. So I used... A wave shape for number two. It's a, it's not quite a detailed like surfer's wave, but it's a wave. And this really works. You know, water is the element of emotions and, you know, two is partnership. That's great. Number three is a simple triangle baby. Perfect magical symbol. You could also go a little bit more mystical and you could use a symbol like the, the triketra, the Celtic symbol, uh, the triple moon symbol, or even a cross, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a trinity in many different spiritual symbols and religions. Number four is also very simple. It's a square. Four is square. 
It's also home, home stability foundation. So you could even, you know, put a little hat on your square and now it's a home. For number five, I instantly just drew a five pointed star. It's the four material elements plus the element of spirit. And in numerology, the smaller numbers seem much more worldly, more material, while the higher numbers seem to deal more with mystical topics. And so this number five really bridges that gap, right? It brings all the elements together. Number six is all about harmony. And it took me a little while to get this one. And I drew, it ended up looking like the Pisces symbol, but without that bar in the middle. So it's just two outward curves facing each other, just like matching each other. Number seven was the hardest for me and took the longest. Like it's the last one I, I created, but it ended up being, it's interesting. It's like a very narrow, tall V shape, like a little triangle that's open at the top, but then there's a little dot at the top. That sort of looks like a person. And then it has that, that vibe of turning inward, you know, with the pointing. Anyways, <laughs> it's number seven. Number eight is a very crude little Saturn. So it's just a circle and I put a straight line right through the middle. You could also have some fun and make it more of a ring, right? Uh, you could also make it the infinity symbol. Just turn that eight on its side and you are finished. It's beautiful. Number nine, I drew a spiral, a swirl. Uh, and then I closed up that like open end. So it looks like a seashell. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a seashell. So um, the spiral image is very spiritual in nature. And nines are the end of the line. And also they denote like enlightenment, you know, reaching the end. So I felt kind of compelled to close it up at the end. Zero is zero. Although if you needed a different symbol because you don't want it, the circle, I like the idea of just an X, you know, nothing and over. But that's my little, yeah, it's my little alphabet. Uh, these are just what I came up with. <laughs> just, you know, I had some time. Uh, I don't know how much use they'll get, but I'm actually going to keep this, you know, I'm going to make a little key and see if I need it in my practice going forward. You know, I'm newly excited about the numerology. Maybe I would like to skip the actual numbers. Okay. I know I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, like literally, uh, and your brain might hurt. That's totally cool. Now is the time to chill out. People with dyscalculia can often develop a real panic response to numbers and math. It's mostly the humiliation of not being able to deal with numbers and math. Um, and either other associated things like driving. I can't drive because of this. And this is apparently super common. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm aware of how hard it is for me and that it's, I'm gonna have to go slow and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I'm just afraid that my reflexes aren't going to be fast enough. I'm, I've got this big, heavy thing that could kill somebody and the anxiety around it is really what is standing in my way of driving more so than, you know, <laughs> the actual learning disability and nothing makes anxiety worse. Like trying to push yourself through it for something that can wait a goddamn minute until you clear your head and you can't do that when you're driving and it freaks me out. So don't freak yourself out over learning numerology. If you're trying to follow along today, if you are calculating your numbers, slow it on down. I'm totally okay with you pausing this, coming down to it later. Put it down, smoke a joint, clean your glasses, you know, hold a damp cloth over your eyes, take an aspirin, <laughs> get some fresh air, whatever you got to do. The only thing that has ever really helped me with my dyscalculia is taking extra time. I got to go slow and having someone who is understanding to just be like, hey, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, in college, when it became obvious that I had a very real problem, my teachers were so great. I, I had the most fantastic teachers. They instantly, you know, they started checking on me during tests and they noticed something really funny that I didn't notice. Uh, they noticed that halfway through a test or so, I'd start like rubbing my head. And if my hair was in a ponytail or something, like I'd take it out, I'd take off any headbands, I'd remove my earrings. Like I would just take anything off my head that might cause it to hurt. And I didn't even notice I was doing that. But at the end of every math test, I did have a little pile of like accessories sitting there waiting for me. And I was, I was like, oh, when did I do that? Uh, <laughs> it, it was so funny the time she pointed that out. I was like, oh, that's how that happens. Uh, and I didn't even really realize I was doing it. You know, the teachers would come over and they'd offer to just 
make sure I had copied down the right numbers, not the answers, just the, the actual numbers, the equations. And most of the time I had done just fine. And over time, man, that really, I came to expect it to go just fine instead of expecting it to go the worst, right? And even even then, you know, they never acted it was an imposition. So this is, that is the important thing about dyscalculia. So if you know somebody, especially someone who really struggles with math, this is really the only way they are going to get it is by having the time and, you know, someone with patience to just explain it to them. My sister, I couldn't understand how taxes work, literally. And I know it sounds so stupid. I wish I could explain what the problem is even. I just can't grasp, like, how taxes are calculated and how they work and everything. Tax time is hell for me. (laughs) And one year, my sister, who is patient with me, she just explained it to me in a way that I just, I didn't understand how taxes work, but I realized that I didn't need to understand how taxes work. I just needed to understand how to fill out the paperwork if I didn't want to go to jail. Yeah, that was a super good lesson. And then she helped me fill out the paperwork. And this year I filed like six years of back taxes that I couldn't file just because I was scared. And now I have found numerology simple enough to grasp and even calculate with you know the calculator on my phone or a cheap one from the dollar store i'm i'm feeling good about how i'm doing with numbers who knows maybe numerology will join the ranks of grocery shopping in the category of math i am okay at To learn more about me or the Fat Feminist Witch podcast, check out my website at thefatfeministwitch.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. To support the show, you can, of course, buy my books Green Witchcraft and The Grimoire Journal. Both books are written for witches of all skill levels to help you begin a relationship with the planet and craft a very personal, magical practice. To make a donation to keep the show on the air, you can go to my website and click buy me a coffee or join my private monthly membership group at patreon.com slash thefatfeministwitch. If you have a witchy product, service, or publication and you want to reach a magical audience, you can advertise here on the show. Just go to advertisecast.com slash thefatfeministwitch to get started. <laughs>